Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com, register to vote, click on the Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast category where you can then vote for us to win. Now, you will have to listen to the other nominees as well, but let's be honest, you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today, which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance. Sportspodcastawards.com, that's how you do it, and we thank you in advance. And everybody who votes for us, we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got a hit. Yes! Sally Stegger, 132.67 has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 up. You, you Yukis! On the ice for the Gimlet. The Gimlet scoping! Sending Crosby! The golden goal! These golden games have their crowning moments. It is off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another athlete interview as we get closer and closer to the Beijing Olympics. We are talking more ski jumping today. We had, of course, uh, Ali Ludit on yesterday, and now we are straight back into it as we speak to a teammate of Ali's, Natasha Bodnachuk. Now, this is a great chat, learning a lot about the sport, more about the training aspect, getting involved, the techniques. I'm always very fascinated to hear about the, uh, the techniques when it comes to a sport, which is so unique, such as ski jumping, and uh, learning a lot about that, her journey in the sport, how she got involved, the disappointment of not making the 2018 Olympics and how she overcame that, and just where her future is in the sport of ski jumping. It's a bit of a unique uh, chat here to learn learn about uh, aspirations for Beijing and beyond and uh, if that quite doesn't pan out for Natasha just where that potentially may lead her so great chat here you're going to get a lot out of it and we're going to get straight into it right now here is our chat with Canadian ski jumper Natasha Bodnachuk get closer and closer to the Beijing Olympics. We are getting very excited to chat to some athletes involved in the sports at the Olympics and that, let's just say this right now, will be there at the Beijing Olympics because it's very exciting to return to the sport today of ski jumping and learn a little bit more about it from the uh, perspective of an athlete from Canada 
who uh, is is on the cusp of going to her first Olympic Games, a dream which she's had for quite some time. And I'm so excited to learn more about this dream and everything else in between. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Natasha Bodnachuk. Natasha, first of all, welcome off the podium. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. It's an exciting time, obviously, the closer and closer we get to to Beijing. From my perspective, sitting in a chair, being able to talk to people like yourself and being able to cover it. But I can't imagine for you uh, sort of this dream of yours to go to an Olympic Games with every day closer. Uh, it gets a little bit more realistic on that journey. I mean, right now, the time of recording this, to date this, I will say it's 100 days exactly today until the Beijing Olympics. So how, how are you feeling right now with every single day that it gets closer and closer to this dream potentially becoming a reality for you? Um, I'm feeling good. I, I've actually been taking a little bit of a hiatus from the sport. I took a bit of a break. Um, I'm taking a bit of a break from since the winter, um, and that's been really good for me. But, yeah, the, the excitement is there, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what ends up happening. I, I'm always intrigued to find out from, I guess, how they get involved in the sport. And uh, we obviously spoke to Ali Ludic a little bit about her sort of her journey into the sport. But I believe it seems yours was slightly similar. She sort of mentioned there was a multi-sport camp and sort of her brother had gone and sort of she took it from there. And I believe you also went to a, a multi-sport camp. I mean, I don't know if this is the same one or not, but uh, I mean, this might be some sort of fast track for ski jumpers to get into the sport, it seems, going to multi-sport camps in Canada. Literally, yeah, it probably was the same one. I think there's been so many athletes who came from that multi-sport camp. Yes, I, I was also in a multi-sport camp held here in Calgary. Um, and yeah, it's just like this week-long camp where you do a bunch of different uh, activities every day. And on one of the days it was ski jumping and I gave it a try and really liked it. And a coach was watching nearby and asked if I wanted to try it more seriously. And I was like, sure, why not? And <laughs> In the rest, rest of history. history. <laughs> yeah, wow. So what, what other sports are you doing? Is this purely winter-based sports? Is it a mixture of winter and summer sports? And it's just basically today you're going to try this sport, tomorrow you're going to try that sport? Basically, yeah, it is a mix. Uh, you know, there's a variety. We did like mountain biking, archery, luge, um, a whole bunch of different things. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really good mix. And, um, uh, yeah, I was recruited through that. Wow. And were there any other sports that you did that you were enjoying as well that maybe had you focused on them? We could be talking to you about a different potential Olympic sport that you could be going towards. (laughs) Oh, maybe. Um, I don't know. I remember I liked the bungee jumping, which was just like you jumped on a trampoline attached to bungee cord. (laughs) Um, So that was fun. And I think there was also some like gymnastics elements that I thought was fun. Um, So that's a possibility. I've actually never really thought about that. So what was it specifically then about the ski jumping that, that drew you to it? Was it the, the adrenaline aspect of it, the, the speed, the technique? I mean, a combination of, of all of those? Yeah, I think it was a combination. I think it was, I liked the the speed and I liked the jumping part of it. Um, I think that we only did it for, you know, an afternoon when I did the camp um, when I was nine. But then once I was recruited into my ski club, Um, I really fell in love with how multidimensional our training was. Like our training isn't just ski jumping. We also would play soccer and play volleyball and go running and rollerblading and skiing. And I always thought that that was super fun. 
and I also developed some really great um, friendships with people who um, I'm still friends with today. And just being able to see them like every night at training really motivated me to want to go and keep it up. That sounds a fun sport that if you're allowed to just do things like just play soccer and, and all these kind of random things while you're also jumping, I mean, that that kind of uh, helps with that. When when you say you get, I guess, recruited, I mean, does it does it come from a fact that they like your technique, you've got a certain style, they, they see potential, I mean, kind of what are they looking for when they kind of tap you on the shoulder and say, Natasha, this might be something that you should pursue because you've potentially got a future in this sport. I think it was a mix of being one of the few kids in my group to actually uh, do the jump from the day that we did it. And also probably my body type had a factor in them kind of um, pointing to me because I've always been really small and short. um, And that's kind of the ideal body type for ski jumping. And when you mention going on a jump... Is this uh, the the main jump that you're going straight away or are you kind of, I think as Ali described them, like a bit of a bump jump, kind of like what sort of jump is it that you're going off to get that? Because, I, I mean, surely as a nine-year-old, I'm not just shoving you down a, you, you know, a large hill, basically ski jump at the Calgary Olympic Park. I, I mean, unless <laughs> they do, good for them, but I can't imagine that's what they do straight away. No, yeah. Usually you start um, just like skiing down the landing hill um, and maybe just jumping on your own, kind of just getting a feel for jumping in your skis and with your boots on. Um, And then as you gain some confidence and you kind of learn a little bit of the skills and the balance, then you might go off the jump. And at the time, the smallest jump we had was a K-18 meter hill. And there's different gates that you can put down so that you can not really go full 18 meters, but the first gate is like a five, you know, five meters of the track. Um, And so that's kind of just kind of practicing to actually get on the bar, have a little bit of speed and jumping off the end um yeah and then do you remember that moment when you get an opportunity to jump off the 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 main side the olympic size one and and sort of what age were you when you were able to to do that for the first time um well the the size of the jumps that we compete on um at like a continental cup or world cup international level is a 90 meters or 120 meters and i think i was around maybe 14, 14-ish when I first oh. jumped a 90-meter hill. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty daunting task for a 14-year-old to do to kind of just go straight onto something that big. I, I mean, is it a case because you've worked yourself up so much to that point where you've been practicing on sort of the other ones that it had no fear? Or, I mean, is there a fear factor to it the first time you do go down a jump like that? I think there's always a little bit of fear just because you're kind of questioning, can I really do this? But at that point, um, it really is kind of more of a mental game and ski jumping is a very mental heavy sport. Um, So I just had to trust myself and trust my coach. And at that point, I also wanted to jump bigger hills and go farther. So it was that excitement too that drove me to just do it. Now, did you land your first jump off the, the 90 meters? You betcha, I did. Good. All right, that's that's what we want to that's what we want to hear with that. Did you have dreams as a young child to go to the Olympics? Was this something that had always been in you, or was this more of a case of you got into ski jumping and then this became a realistic option that you could go to an Olympics? Um, from the get go, pretty much, like when I was recruited through the multi sport camp, the coach who recruited me said, "Oh, Natasha, you're a future Olympian," and I was nine, being like, "What?" 
Um, so yeah, pretty much from the get-go, that's always been the dream and the goal. And it wasn't really made to feel super real until women were actually accepted into the Olympics in 2014. And before that, I was just doing it because it was fun. So pretty much after 2014 is when it became an actual feasible goal that I was working towards. Do you remember that sort of, I don't know how old you would have been when you would have at least heard or maybe seen the, the 2014 Olympics and, and kind of, as you're saying, realize that could be a goal. Because I, I love hearing from athletes on this show who are in a sport which isn't either an Olympic sport or maybe their discipline isn't at the Olympics. Because I, as you're kind of alluding to there, it, it adds a bit of weight or something a bit different to what you're already doing, realizing that, wow, I can now do this at an Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was about 16 uh, when the games were in 2014. And um, that was kind of when I started to really look at ski jumping in, I guess, more of like a serious light um, and started to consider, um, you know, traveling internationally and just upping my training and, um, you know, changing my diet so that I could really thrive as an athlete and just prioritizing everything ski jumping. Um, and I had lots of meetings with my coach who really believed in me and really gave me a lot of um, encouragement to just build this confidence in myself. So yeah, that was kind of a transitional period where I thought, oh, this is something that I could actually do. And in terms of female ski jumping at the time in, in Canada, I mean, how many athletes were around at that period compared to, say, now leading into an Olympics where this is, what, the third time that women's ski jumping has been involved. I mean, did was there an increase? Did you see it? I mean, were you sort of in a limited group back before sort of it became an Olympic sport? Um, a bit. I mean, in terms of uh, kind of on an international scale, definitely the sports evolved over the years. And, um, you know, back in 2014, you might have like, you know, 40 women at a World Cup. Um, and now we have 70, you know, wow. 60, 70. Wow. So definitely the field has increased a lot over the years. Still no Australians, though, can I just point out, which uh, (laughs) I'd like to always establish that Australia's never had an Olympic ski jumper, which I'm not actually sure off the top of my head if it – I mean, surely there are other winter – we've never had an Olympic curler, for example. So there's there's a couple of winter sports that Australia has never had uh, athletes in. So I'm trying to always just push it out there for Australians to go into ski jumping. I'm trying to see if there's – you know, uh, Ali kind of shut me down a little bit the other day with that. But, um, you know, I'm always looking for a way in. Natasha so uh, mm-hmm. we, maybe I can recruit somebody to help me or the other way around I can just become a coach I have no idea <laughs> yeah. pull a little uh, Australian Eddie the Eagle thing going yeah, on or... <laughs> exactly um, yeah. you know we've got some good freestyle skiers I'm sure we can just build a jump a little bit longer and different to make it work mm-hmm. in that aspect yeah, there you go. So <laughs> kind of kind of goes that way I'm always intrigued about sort of the training aspect and obviously going down a jump multiple times getting everything together is probably the best way but when it comes to say the the technical aspect of the sport are there things that you can do to kind of work on that technique while you're in the air outside of jumping so for example you know i've seen so aerial skiers might go on the trampoline and kind of perfect the sort of the the in-air techniques i mean is there a method that you can do sort of in that flight mode which doesn't involve jumping down a jump all the time Yeah, part of our training, we do what's called imitations or IMOs, um, which basically is just us practicing the split second movement on the end of the jump when we're jumping off from our in-run position in the track into our flight position. And this is either done 
with the help of another person, like your coach or your teammate who's catching you. Um, or sometimes you can just jump onto a mat. Um, and yeah, that's like the most crucial moment on the hill because it's so fast. You don't want to hesitate. You have to have proper timing and commitment. Um, so yeah, we do lots, lots of those kind of repetitive motions to just perfect the technique. And that takeoff aspect of it, you sort of mentioning the speed, obviously by the time you let go of the bar to when you get to the jump, I mean, how crucial is the timing of that launch off the jump? And, and how do you work on perfecting that more so? Is it a mental sort of game or, or is it sort of going back to what you're saying about the technique or, or a combination of the both? I think it's a combination of the bo- of both, but I would say ski jumping is a super heavy mental sport, like probably 80% mental, um, 20 physical. Um, and I think, you know, some people think, oh, you, you probably hesitate when you're sliding onto the bar. That's probably the moment when you're a bit nervous, but really, I think the main part where you hesitate is just at the last minute. And if you do, you feel it right away. Um, it can result in you being late off the takeoff, which just feels like your feet kind of fall out from under you. You don't get any effect from your jump. Um, then you get stuck behind and it's just, it's not a good feeling, but when you, um, jump on time and, uh, you just commit to that movement, you feel like you're immediately lifted and it's like the best feeling ever. You know, you've had a good jump the moment that you're off the takeoff and then you just have to fly and it's super fun. I was going to say with that, that it must be one of those moments. Yeah. Like you've, you've nailed it. You've nailed mm-hmm. that takeoff and you, you're flying and you just, I mean, it must be one of those moments where you literally almost feel unstoppable in a weird way because you kind of are unstoppable when you're in flight. You can't really do much from that point on except hope that your technique's going to be good, the judges like you, and then you're going to land okay, boom, everything's kind of clicked together. Yeah, yeah, you can still be active in your flight and kind of pull out more and make sure that you're very symmetrical, um, but it's that's like the most fun part of the sport, I think, um, is the flight and just having a good takeoff. You just feel like you're being lifted higher and higher and you just got to stick that landing. <laughs> Do, do you sometimes want to hum like the Superman theme in your head while you're in the middle of, of a flight? Because I just kind of think that, you know, that would be just a fun aspect of going like, da, 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 da. like you literally almost are Superman at that point while you are literally flying. Yeah, I could. I mean, I, I usually don't, uh, don't have much to think about. Other than just like <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's such a perfect a competition things. one day. You could just start going for it. <laughs> yeah, I'll try that. It's yeah, it's it'd be a fun little aspect to do with that. But we on that mental aspect of it though, what training methods do you take to do that? Is it a simple case of working with a sports psychologist? Are you working with your coach? Is it something as simple as just I'm gonna do a Sudoku puzzle today to kind of work the brain out? Like, I mean, what sort of mental training do you really like to kind of do to help that aspect of it? Uh, yeah, I worked a bit with a sports psychologist. Um, mostly, I just focus on. Um, kind of independent visualization, Um, just kind of sitting in a quiet space and closing my eyes and just imagining a perfect jump, Um, just imagining me doing a perfect jump and like what that feels like. Um, And that's just really crucial to just know exactly what you need to do. Um, And it's such a powerful thing to like compete or train and you feel like you're in a bubble And to feel like you're just so in the zone that afterwards you're like, what did I even do? Because you're just so like mentally there. It's, it's a kind of a weird thing, but it's, it's really cool. 
do you, and you mentioned before it's sort of 80% mental, 20% physical. Do you kind of do that with your training? So are you mainly focusing on the mental aspect or are you still working on an average training week on that physical side of things equally as much as that mental side of things? Um, I mean, we still train a lot. Don't get me wrong. Like we train a lot. I think the mental side definitely comes from kind of me doing things, um, in my off time. I'm not going to be, you know, going to the gym to close my eyes for half an hour and visualize. So it is very heavy on the physical as well. Um, and again, kind of how, when I first started ski jumping, the training was very multi-sport. Um, our training now is still very, um, uh, diverse with lots of different activities and exercises to kind of just make us well-rounded athletes and super strong because it's an extreme sport. So the stronger you are, the safer your body is going to be. And in terms of, I guess, the diet aspect, it's obviously not a sport in which you are weighed and restricted by a certain weight for a division. But going back to your point about your body size and the fact that I can imagine it does favor a certain body type. So like, is it a, is it a restrictive sort of diet sport? Are you constantly having to maintain a, a weight because that certain weight will help you perform or is it maybe not as restricted as it may seem? Yeah, I would say it's pretty restrictive. Um, it's basically, you know, the lighter you are, that's a big benefit. It's like if you had two paper airplanes and you threw both of them, but one of them had a rock on it, the rock on is going to, you know, make that airplane sink, but the one without is just going to catch the wind and fly. So, you know, that's where your, your diet and your body size um, comes into it. And so that can be, you know, a challenge. There's definitely, you know, some darker sides to the sport. It's challenging to maintain such a lightweight, um, but that's when you just need to, you know, prioritize yourself and your mental health. And, you know, if, if some sort of physical weight's going to be detrimental to your mental health, then, it's not worth it. They worth it. They really need to to work in tandem. Which I can imagine, yeah, with any sort of sport where it's based around a, a weight portion of it, it can be very challenging, particularly at a young age when you're sort of growing up and you, you know you are at an age where you're kind of wanting to just eat pizza all the time and kind of just you know go drinking with your friends and things like that. So I guess that's that mind over matter aspect sometimes too, where you're like, okay my goal is to get to an Olympics. This is how I'm going to achieve it. But as you were saying, without doing it in an unhealthy way in which you're being forced upon a certain image, I guess, which you must maintain to get to that. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, if you have the passion in your sport and if you like to do it, then that's a super great drive to um, maintain your, your training regime and everything. Um, And, and yeah, I think that, um, you know, even just looking at things in terms of like the Olympics, the Olympics is amazing. It's, you know, the epitome of high performance sport, but if it's just one day, you know, is it enough, is that enough drive for you? So you really have to find your why and find what works for you and just customize it to that. I also just found probably my first main roadblock into getting into ski jumping. Well, I mean, also the fact that we don't have any facilities in Australia, but secondly, that I would probably be the rock on that paper plane. <laughs> you know, I might have to kind of shed a few pounds in order to achieve that. I don't know how much I would fly, probably jump off and just go and flop straight away. So, Well, you you'd know. probably go pretty fast on the end run, so at least yeah, you'd well. have that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be intrigued to see how I could even potentially land. I mean, on actually on the landing aspect, going back to sort of the, the things that you can do training outside of just jumping 
are there sort of grounded landing techniques that you can do? Can you literally get your coach to kind of launch you and kind of put you on an aspect where you are working on that sort of technique of, of landing? Um, kind of. I mean, yeah, landing is super important. We land in a telemark position, one foot in front of the other and our hands out. Um, not only because that's one of the safer ways to land, but also just because uh, ski jumping is also a judged sport. So the nicer your telemark landing is, the higher the style points that you'll get. And then those points are added onto your overall points um, and will increase your ranking. So yeah, anytime we're doing like those imitation movements where you're jumping and if you're being caught by someone, every time you land, you're practicing landing in that telemark position or if we're doing, you know, other, other exercises, squat jumps, box jumps, we're practicing landing in that position as well, just to make it like second nature, basically. I always love finding out from athletes in judge sports about, you know, you talk before about sometimes when you jump off, you've got that perfect feeling. This is going great. You land everything in your mind is like, yes, that was great. Nailed it. Do you sometimes just look at those scores and just go, Fuck off, Slovenia. I was better than that. Like, come on. Like, what the what the heck? And is it that mental aspect where – because I tell you now, if I was in a sport like that, I couldn't maintain my emotions. I'd be like, you'd be seeing me mouthing the words, going, oh, come on. Like, I can imagine that's a bit of a challenging moment where you're just looking at the scores going, what the heck? I did everything right there. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think, yeah, with any judge sport, there's always a little bit of um... – room for error in that way or bias so but you kind of just have to hold your tongue because you don't want you know to develop some sort of bad rep or anything but yeah i mean that happens i think is is there and you can answer this if you want to or not is there like one judge that sometimes you go oh not them no no, no, (laughs) not them seriously i'm i'm not going to have a good day today no there actually isn't no right okay (laughs) all right just always like to kind of see that In, in terms of 2018 I believe you sort of got very close to to making the Olympics in in 2018 sort of what happened uh in in the lead up to that and just how close were you to making that team uh yeah so basically the summer season before uh 2018 um I had a really great season I got my best Grand Prix result I was 10th I was sitting in a qualified position like if the Olympics had been, you know, in the summer for some reason, I would have gone basically. Um, And so I was really excited leading up to the winter. Um, And then basically anything bad that could happen did happen. I just had a really tough winter. Um, It was kind of a new thing for me. I was relatively new to the national team. So we were traveling a lot more than I was used to. And it was just difficult to kind of get accustomed to that with you know, the traveling and different team dynamics and stuff. And I had a new coach as well. So there was a lot of variables that I was trying to work around that were just not really working for me. Um, And then in competition, again, it was just like, you know, I was so close, I would be qualifying, but wouldn't make top 30 and you have to have top 30 to score points. So I think, um, and there were also some, some, um, weather issues too, uh, competitions canceled that never got rescheduled. And so that was like, oh, two less chances now. Um, and at the time, women's ski jumping didn't have a lot of competitions. So really I had like, you know, each competition that I didn't score points in was like less chance, less chance. Um, and then by the end of it, I knew, oh, well, I basically have to get, you know, like, a t- you know, two top 20s or a top 10 and, and that didn't happen. So I basically went from having a spot to 
not having a spot. So I was very close, um, but just missed it. So that was pretty hard thing to, to get through, but um, it kind of proved to me like why I'm doing the sport and why I was in it for so long. Because sometimes these challenges that help you as an athlete, isn't it, in a weird way, and the fact that, of course, you're disappointed that you don't reach the Olympics, but that then lights a bit of a fire in you, no doubt, that you can use every single day between 2018 and today when you're once again so close to a potential debut Olympic experience. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, it's... I kind of look back on it now and I'm like, oh, boo-hoo, you were so sad you didn't make the Olympics. Cause like, you know, I get to experience this, this world and this life that so many people don't get to experience. So um, in a way it kind of humbled me and just made me grateful for the career that I've had. In terms of then the Olympics come about, are you sitting there cheering Taylor on or are you kind of struggling a little bit that it's you sort of still in that phase where you're kind of like oh you know I'm, I was I was so close and unfortunately I'm not there yeah definitely a bit of both um definitely still cheering her on um but yeah it was also very bittersweet that I was at home watching it on my couch instead of being there and you know my family was at home on the couch with me instead of being there cheering me on so definitely a little bit of both so then do you take that opportunity to get straight back into it you kind of work on those little things that no doubt didn't get you there or do you take a bit of time off back to the mental aspect where it's important to just have a bit of an R&R session every now and then take some time off go on a holiday something along those lines to then recuperate so that you can push towards the cycle that you're on now um yeah so that was uh the time when I started to see a sports psychologist um just because you know, from, from my perspective at the time, I felt like a complete failure, that everything was my fault. I'd let so many people down. So I met up with a sports psychologist just to kind of just work through everything that I was feeling um, because I felt like I had lost an amount of passion for the sport, um, which kind of felt a bit unfair in a way because I was like, how can I lose this passion just from not competing in one event? Um, so that's kind of what I was focusing on more is just like working through how I was feeling um, and then my whole perspective kind of changed from that point. And I, I didn't take a break. I still went, you know, right back into training. Um, but I just wanted to ski jump kind of just for me and just because I liked it, um, rather than, you know, going to fulfill, you know, someone else's goal for me, or just to, to be able to say, oh yeah, I went to the Olympics. Like I just wanted to do it. Um, cause I wanted to do it and I wanted to get better and prove that I, was good enough basically so right now obviously again as i said at the top of this the day of recording this it's 100 days to beijing obviously by the time people are listening and and watching this it will be a little bit closer but where are you at now because i believe canada's got an extra quota right now as they did for pyeongchang so obviously i would assume that means your chances are slightly uh increased (laughs) because there's two slots available but how are you tracking right now on that uh potential to to qualify for beijing um, so right now I'm taking a bit of a break from the sport and I haven't really considered coming back for the winter either. Um, the break's been really beneficial for me to just focus on other things. And, uh, I think even if I were to come back for the winter, I don't know if Beijing would be a super realistic goal for me. Um, 
but I don't know. Yeah, it's a little bit bittersweet. I look back, I'm like, oh, I wish that, you know, we had this chance back in 2018. And there's so many more competitions now, which is amazing. It's so many more opportunities um, and also just different like, you know, coaching and travel um, experiences that are happening now that would have been beneficial. But um, yeah, I think for me right now, I'm kind of just exploring different things and I'm liking doing that. So is there, a, is there a reason behind that? Sort of like sort of why you sort of have, have taken that mindset or is it kind of just a combination of factors that you just think to yourself that maybe this isn't the time right now to, to pursue this? Um, I think it's a, a combination of things. I, I think that honestly, I, I was trying to refuel my passion for the sport over the past couple of years. Um, and, you know, at the end of every season, I kind of still felt the same. I felt like, oh, this isn't really something that I'm loving as much anymore. Um, and, you know, I think a part of that is just all of the pressures that you have as an athlete to, you know, always be on top of your game and the pressures of, you know, maintaining um, perfection all the time um, was really starting to weigh on me. And I just didn't want to get to a point where I hated the sport or hated any fun in it. Um, and I just didn't feel like it was worth it to keep pushing it. Um, if that was a possibility. So I'm glad that I can, you know, look back on the sport now and I don't have any animosity towards it or anyone. And I don't want to get to a point where I do. So, so I mean, it's, it's sounding like as much as it might be the end for you, there's still that potential that a Beijing could slightly be a possibility, but do you think this is something that if maybe it's not Beijing that you might all of a sudden in a year's time go, well, hey, I, I love this sport still. I want to give it another go. The Olympics is an unfulfilled ambition that you will push then towards Milan Cortina as something that could be a potential in the future. Yeah, I mean, never say never. Um, yeah, I don't want to say anything too official because I don't know how I'll be feeling, you know, in couple months in a year or whatever um and i know that if i ever did want to come back that i i have that support system with my club and with you know coaches and teammates and stuff that i would be welcomed back in which is really nice to know because also that challenging aspect i remember earlier this year we, we talked to nathaniel ma nordic combined skier and he was sort of talking a little bit about the challenges that come from that sport in terms of funding and support because I guess, as I've said a few times on this show now, as an Australian, we think any winter sport in Canada must be completely well-funded because you guys are so good at it. But obviously, it's not the case for certain sports. And I believe ski jumping is one of those. So, I mean, a big challenging aspect I can imagine for yourself and your teammates is that funding and everything along those lines for a sport that Canada has never won a medal in at the Olympics. It also adds challenges. So, I mean, how challenging is that aspect? Because... I'm sure there's fundraising aspects and things you've got to try and get sponsors and everything, which if you're a hockey player, you're not struggling to get, are you? So that obviously adds a bit of a challenge to it. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. It's kind of like this weird circle where you need to have, you know, good results to get sponsors sponsorships, but to get sponsorships, you have to have good results and it just goes round and round. So um, yeah, it's definitely something that's um, challenging within the sport. Um, and, you know, my whole career, we're always trying to find the best deals, the cheapest flights, the cheapest accommodations. Um, and I'm really lucky that I have had some financial support in terms of sponsors and cardings and things like that. That's really enabled me to pursue ski jumping for as long as I did. Um, but that is a thought coming back into it is, okay, how am I going to fund this? <laughs> Which I have to say, just on things when you're searching for cheap accommodation and things like that, I, I did discover a little video blog that you had uh, <laughs> a part of 
in which you and a couple of your teammates were uh, going through a very unique. Uh, it was an apartment, I think, in Slovenia with a <laughs> with a with a sink that your hands were bigger than. Um, I mean, those sort of moments there. I mean, what happened to the vlogs? I, I like these vlogs. <laughs> I, I kind of was disappointed I could only find one. Oh, I know. I yes, we uh, we made some vlogs. Me and my team. Uh, I guess was that a couple winters ago now. And I'm so glad that we did that because I will look back on those in a couple of years probably and just realize that these are some of the best moments of my life. Um, yeah, those were fun times. My teammate, Abby, she still makes vlogs now. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we stayed in some, some nice places in Slovenia with uh, tiny sinks. I was, I was intrigued at the fact that there was granola being kept in the fridge, um, which Whoa. I thought was interesting. I think uh, one of your teammates was their birthday and I think they got pepper bought for them, which I thought, okay, interesting <laughs> birthday <laughs> present. Um, and then every time one of you would swear – it kind of came to the fact like, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of putting in the bleep. Stop swearing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know what it is. We just can't stop dropping F-bombs when we're together. And... You're Australian. You must be Australian deep down. Come on. Yeah. Crikey. Yeah. <laughs> cry. Well, look at that. Perfect. It fits in very well. This, I mean, I when I travel, I like to make vlogs and kind of, I call them documentaries. They're not really documentaries. It's me with a camera in my face making a silly film that nobody watches. But there, there is something fun about when you do things like that. Because as you were saying, it's sort of, a, it's a memory thing. You can take photos, you can buy a couple of snow globes or something like that. But when you've got those videos and you can kind of put yourself back in that place, it's kind of, it's a nice little memory to have. Definitely. Yeah. I wish that we'd done it sooner. I wish we made more because they're, <laughs> they're so fun. Yeah. Which goes back to that Superman aspect. If you get in the sport, you can be humming and doing that, put a GoPro on and it goes viral, get the funding for ski jumping. There you go. That's how it works. You're right. I just need to become like TikTok famous or something that can fuel my <laughs> career. Are there any TikTok famous ski jumpers out there? Uh, not that I know of. Not See, that I know there of. you go. You can be the first. That's where the market is, right? Like, I mean, I, I still don't know what TikTok is, but hey, I would download it if there's some cool ski jumpers on there. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll push for that. So if if this is it for you in the sport, we'll just put the the word if on there. What are what are the plans now for you moving forward? Kind of what's next for Natasha? Uh, good question. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> are you getting I'm, sick of being uh, asked that question? <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because um, throughout my athletic career, I was always thinking like so far in, into the future, like basically four years. You know, every Olympics is every four years, so that's kind of how I thought was in terms of like quads. And so I feel kind of a sense of like freedom now to just be like, oh, I can just be. I can just focus on right now. So I'm in university. I'm working towards my degree. Um, I'm, you know, looking for some other opportunities and jobs. And there's still lots of things that I want to stay involved with um, because sport has fueled passions within me in terms of, you know, gender equality in sport and working with different organizations who advocate for things like that. And I, of course, want to, you know, always be involved with my home club to, to some capacity. Um, so, you know, I'll never not be involved with ski jumping or the sporting world, I wouldn't say. Um, but yeah, kind of right now I'm just, I'm just going with the flow. I'm just letting it be. What, what are you, what are you studying at university? I'm studying communications and media studies. Good. I like that. Yes. As somebody who <laughs> may or may not have done that, it, it kind oh, of uh, works. I mean, have you thought about podcasting? Have you kind of thought about broadcast kind of things like this? I have, I have, I, I thought about making, I really like books and reading. So, uh, 
over the summer, I thought about making a uh, bookish podcast, but I'm not very good with technology and it seemed like more of a full-time hustle than a side hustle. So I never got to it. (laughs) That's the stuff. Once you learn it's, it's second nature because trust me as somebody who hosts six podcasts in total, it's addicting. And particularly when you've got things you like to talk about, it's fun. So I'm just saying, once you open that door, you'll look back at this moment and go, okay, like I, I wish I had have done this probably before ski jumping. Like this is, this is you know, this is maybe not. I've never ski jumped. True calling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, and that, that like particularly like with the book side of things, I mean, gosh, I, I talk stupid amounts of hours about movies and TV shows. I, I don't think I've ever read a book in my life, let's be honest. But if you <laughs> have, then that's great. People need to hear about that. So mm-hmm. ski jumping to book podcasts, you might be the first. Again, there's an untapped market in there for you. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just keep keep pushing towards these untapped markets with that sort of thing. I have to ask, we'll, we'll get to some questions we like to ask our guests just in terms of a fun little get-to-know-you side of things. But um, Ali let me down on this one when I asked her this question. I, I'm going to try this one to you. You're in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Who do you support in the NHL? Um. Oh gosh, I feel like there's a right answer and a wrong answer. <laughs> I there definitely is a right answer. <laughs> I, I I gotta say, I, you know, I'm from Calgary. I support the Flames. Hey, go Flames, look, go! Come on, I'm pulling this out. I can pull it oh, out now. Nice. I was nearly going to wear it, I thought, but I thought, you know, like it just in case of one time I, I assume that as a Calgary person you go for that. But um, yeah, of I course, just, you got you a know. hidden jersey on. Yeah, well, exactly. I've got you know gone full full length with everything, but um, nice. yeah, our, our other co-host and one of our co-hosts in the show, Colin, he lives in Winnipeg, but he goes for the Leafs, and I feel like I constantly get outnumbered by Leaf supporters on the show. Ali was one of them, so mm. it's just like you know mm. we've got to balance this out somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah, as long as you're not an Oilers fan, though, that's kind of uh, the the main part with that. But as I said, we wrap <laughs> up our chats with a series of questions as always these are based on a team canada questionnaire that they gave their athletes ahead of both pyeongchang and rio and it's just some random goodness to learn some random stuff about you there's a drawing aspect you don't have to draw it's not compulsory but uh there's some homework if you really want to do that i'm looking here on this one you can draw a picture of yourself there's draw a picture of a teammate and draw a picture of a favorite animal so I mean, if you really feel inclined to, but... I'm not no, much of an artist in that no, way. <laughs> that, that, that's completely fine. We've had two people do it and uh, oh, nice. they're, they're fun. But uh, anyway, we'll get we'll get first question. Your favourite ever Olympic moment is? Um, hmm. Favourite ever? Probably uh, it was in 2010, Alexander Bilodeau, a uh, mogul skier. He won gold. And when he won, his brother, he had a really nice celebration with his brother and he like carried him over the, um, the barriers and it was just super sweet and just like, you know, tears to the eyes, really cute. Am am I not mistaken that was the first home gold for Canada? Was that the first of the Vancouver Olympics from memory? No, I think it probably was. I think it was. Yeah. And you beat, I I just say that the great Dale Begg Smith, Australian mogul skier, won gold in Turin and silver in Vancouver. I mean, he is a Canadian. He just came to Australia to compete for us. But, uh, Uh you know, remember that. Colin, big moguls fan, so he he would be uh, very happy that you answered that one. So uh, there you go. (laughs) If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Um... Probably uh, teleportation, um, even though I'm not 
you know, traveling right now, it would be so useful to just teleport to Slovenia and back <laughs> with the snap of a finger. It would be really nice. Casual Tuesday, Slovenia. Why not yeah. go and yeah. go to that one? Which is actually interesting. Um, I love sort of this one when people answer flying, but I mean, you already <laughs> fly, so you don't need that superpower, right? <laughs> Yeah, it'd probably be like a violation. I wouldn't be allowed yeah. to compete. So. <laughs> Ali told us about chicken wire being a violation. I can't imagine that flying mm-hmm. literally would, would not work that way. Uh, your favourite <laughs> sports movie is? Um, does She's the Man count? Sure. <laughs> There's they play soccer. soccer. That, right? that works. Yeah, yeah. love that one. Uh-huh. I like that. This is the first time I've actually been able to ask this question to a ski jumper and you didn't just go with the cliche Eddie the Eagle. I mean, you know, let's... I haven't seen it. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I know. good. I mean, have you have you seen Cool Runnings? Uh like ages ago. It's basically Cool Runnings with ski jumping. That's how I describe Eddie the Eagle. It's okay. basically the you same know, movie. <laughs> I find a great great joy in my heart that Hugh Jackman knows what ski jumping is. Yep. So yep. I'll yeah. take that. I will say though, Hugh Jackman with an American accent still weirds me out, but um mm. you know, it's I mean he's Hugh Jackman in anything. I mean, he could read the the phone book and I would be watching it, you know. Yes. It's just, uh, yeah. Exactly. Great. As you can tell, all Australians are like Hugh Jackman. It's just it's just natural, <laughs> basically. Your funniest childhood memory is? Funniest childhood memory? Probably, um, I don't know. I have, a, I have an older brother, so he and I are, you know, we've always been best buds, so we just have a lot of funny memories together uh like building forts or you know visiting my grandparents and having like you know water gun fights those are always good good memories standard child i like that did you ever have a water fight in a fort like did you kind of combine the two <laughs> no we should we should have you got time say so you, yeah. you're never too old to do forts and water fights i say you know that's uh that works mm-hmm. your favorite pump up song is um see probably probably either what is it called uh unstoppable by sia mm-hmm. or anything by beyonce honestly yeah, of course um, queen b come on it's got to got to got to pump those up there i like that uh mm-hmm. the most recent tv show that you binge watched is um what was it I think i watched anything in a long time i think it was uh i rewatched um stranger things season yep. one a couple months ago yep. to try and get myself into kind of a fall spooky mood <laughs> um i have not watched squid game which everybody probably answered with i I, I still have no idea what the hell squid game is i don't even know is it is it real is it is it is a drama like what is it I can tell you i can tell you <laughs> yeah wow okay but uh, no strangely i i will admit I haven't I've never watched Stranger Things, but it's on the list. So oh, you uh, should. It's yeah, good. having I've never seen Game of Thrones, so I'm that weird person that just. Oh, kind of, I haven't either. Hey, look at us! There we yeah. go. <laughs> Not the only one. Great. Dang there is it. a little club out there. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, your least favorite foods are. Um, anything sweet. I don't know oh, why, but I just wow. I've never I've never liked anything sweet. It I don't like the taste, and it makes me feel kind of sick. So. Been, that's been kind of good as a ski jumper, but yeah. Um, yeah. So like is there a threshold? Sweet. Like, is there kind of what's the sweetest you would 
go. Like, I don't know if you can sort of look at a, a type of candy or something along those lines and go, okay, nothing sweeter than that. Like I could have like tastes of things like little bites. Um, and like, I try to, cause you know, the downside of it is that I don't, I can't eat fruit. So I try to like incorporate fruit. Like if I mix blueberries into like, you know, oatmeal or something like that, then like it kind of masks the flavor. Um, but like, I really can't do anything sweet uh, that's in a drink form, like pop or juice. Like absolutely can't do Interesting. that. Interesting. You do well on yeah. keto then basically. No, nothing sweet. You would just be, you know, you'd be enjoying all those flavors. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah, I guess so. Kind of works that way. Uh, your fate, well, I, I, don't, I mean, chips aren't really sweet, I guess, but your favorite chip flavor is? Oh, I am a chip fiend. I'm a chip connoisseur. Um, I, <laughs> wow. Said I, with such passion. I love it. <laughs> literally like the hard bite sponsor me. No, um, <laughs> I, um, I'm, I like the original classic. I like a good class original ripple or kettle cooked, um, or sour cream and onion. Oh yes. Yeah, sour cream and onion. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. those flavors. If you weren't an athlete, I mean, you sort of maybe answered this, but again, you also uh, said you're sort of still working towards that. I mean, if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Well, when I was um, in kind of middle school and in high school, I really liked theater and I was involved in um, like school plays a lot. Um, so I really liked that. So I feel like if I had never pursued ski jumping or if I, you know, quit when I was young or something, I probably would have liked to pursue something in the arts, something in like theater industry, acting, musical theater, stuff like that. That would have been fun. Is it, mm-hmm. you mentioned musical theater, is it, because I always found it interesting with, I did a lot of drama growing up, but then I sort of got out of it because I couldn't sing. And I'm like, all this is revolved around musical theater. So I think I'm just going to, you know, take a step back. But is that an aspect that if you were to do it, that you enjoy the kind of the musical side of things, or is it sort of a a balance of maybe the non-musical side of acting? Um, I like a balance for sure. Um, I, I actually also, I work with a, a princess party company. So we dress up as princesses and then we do sing and perform for children. Wow. So that's fun to do. Um, but Anytime yeah, you I, get to dress up as a princess, I mean, come on. That, that's the perfect I, job. Bugger ski jumping. Just do I that know. as a career. Right? Yeah, my self-esteem <laughs> just goes through the roof. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I like, I like a mix of both, but it's fun to, like, sing as a character. Fantastic. I, I mean, screw what I said about Superman before. Dress up as a princess and ski jump. There, there's your TikTok <laughs> viral video right there. Yes. You know, super princess kind of flying through. I like that. And sing <laughs> at the same time, combining all these oh aspects for it. Um, your favourite vacation spot is? Um, probably somewhere where I can just relax uh, on the beach. You know, I've never been to Australia. I would love to vacation in Australia. That'd be nice. Yeah, somewhere just warm and relaxing. Well, uh, definitely Australia would be handy for that. And particularly because I always like to say to our Canadian guests, we have real beaches, none of this gravel that you basically (laughs) seem to have. Like when I live there, I'm like, people are like, oh, let's go to the beach. Okay, great. And you go, this isn't a beach. What is this? Like, come on. You want to see a beach? Come to Australia. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, you try. Lake culture in Canada is great, though. Can I just say I'd never done the whole lake sort of thing, but uh, that was fun. I enjoy a good lake swim. Mm -hmm. Very refreshing. Very refreshing. People usually describe you as? Um... Probably, hopefully, kind. Try to be kind to everyone. 
That's a good thing. I, I would assume that would be something that everybody would strive to achieve to be described yeah, as. So, so if not, then I'd like to hear why. Maybe that would yeah. be a unique thing. Um, and, yeah, the, 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 the run out of questions here. Usually they have more, but this is all the drawing aspects. They've put them right at the end here. I've, I've used um, Natalie Spooner's answers uh, questionnaire here. I'm just seeing her drawing of an animal. She's drawn a giraffe. It's a pretty good <laughs> giraffe, if I don't say so myself. And drawing a picture of yourself she's drawn a spoon and then added <laughs> er at the end of it so um clever see, see what she's done there uh let's just before we let you go if people want to sort of stay up to date with with yourself in terms of if you if you pursue ski jumping further or anything the podcast when you get that off the ground can mm-hmm. uh, people follow you on social media or anything else you'd like to plug today yeah sure a little bit of uh, clout um, yeah, my, my Instagram is Natasha underscore Bodnerchuk. Um, I also have Twitter. I'm not on there a lot, but my Twitter is NC underscore Bodnerchuk. Perfect. And TikTok coming soon, right? TikTok coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a goal to get everybody on TikTok apparently. You know, I yeah. just, when everybody gets on it, then maybe I'll start it. Like, okay, well, literally, you know, 8 billion people on the planet are on it. I'm that one person who's not probably mm-hmm. should start it. So we'll see how we go. Uh, Natasha, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you today, learning about your career in the sport and, and the sport in general. And we're, we're a positive show. We're, we're saying that... If we don't see you in Beijing, we'll see you in in Milan. We'll see you in 2030. And if not, you want to come to Australia, find a summer sport, 2032, Brisbane, come along. I don't really need to invite you because I'm not the Prime Minister or anything, but as an Australian, you are welcome here in 2032 because apparently you weren't before. I have no idea where I'm going with this conclusion. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on the show today, Natasha. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. And a massive, massive thanks there to Natasha for her time. We might have ourselves a rival in the podcasting game there, and uh, I'd listen to that. As I said, don't really uh, read a lot of books, but perhaps I'll start listening to read or read to listen, one of those uh, ways of going about it. So big thanks to Natasha again for her time. Plenty still to come. We've got more ski jumpers coming your way in the lead up to Beijing. We've got some Nordic combined athletes too. I'm excited for that. So plenty to keep you entertained between now and the Olympics. Of course, as you heard in that interview, I mentioned that we actually recorded that on 100 days to go before Beijing. So uh, obviously we recorded that quite some time ago because we are now in the final stretch before we get to the Olympics. But that only means that you've just got some more great episodes coming your way and off the podium. Obviously daily episodes basically from now right through to the closing ceremony. So get pumped for that. And in the meantime, if you want to get pumped for that and never miss one of these episodes, subscribe to us on all the podcast platforms that you can find. Just do it on all of them. You, you can never listen to these episodes enough. Search off the podium, hit subscribe, leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. And, of course, social media. Search off the podium on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And never miss what we are up to on this show. Big thanks again to Natasha. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in. My name is Ben. Shout out to Jason Momoa. And as always, go left.
What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's been, again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, off the podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm really going to go now. Bye.